You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums. You must hear before you die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Jean-Michel Jarre, Oxygen. Uh, on the line, I have Rob. Oh, yeah, you betcha. And Ben. Hello, tonight. Oxygen is the third studio album by French electronic musician and composer Jean-Michel Jarre. It was released on the 5th of December, 1976 on Disky Dreyfus and Polydor. And the producer was... Or Jean-Michel Jarre. The genre is electronic, new age, ambient, chill, outer space music. I'm going to read from the book. Tim Jones. <laughs> While the likes of Tangerine Dream and Kraftwerk blaze the trail, Oxygen was a template for otherworldly soundscapes, a synth-based parallel universe that inspired the electronica movement and sales of more than 10 million copies. Although it won praise and made UK number two, Jarre had to shop around for his magnum opus for months before securing a deal with an indie label. Sporting a futurist design, it drew on Jar's group and screen work while offering a new and fresh perspective on the scope of electronic instrumentation, from the Farfisa organ to the Mellotron via ARP synthesizers. Jar and his classical grounding to formulate a swirling floating melodies, often in odd sequences, such as 34.5 bars. All right, what do we think of oxygen? It certainly is it certainly <laughs> is taking the oxygen out of the room. Am I right, guys? <laughs> no, I don't agree with that one. Nope. I don't I don't hate it. Yeah, it don't I don't hate it. I don't yeah, hate I don't it. either. <laughs> it's what would you say? It's it, it, it is a bit like craftwork light or tangerine D, like very accessible tangerine D, dream. It's like a like, bad Vangelis soundtrack, but I'm sorry, not bad. It's it's just like a, I don't, I don't, God, I don't know. Like, I think that if I would have heard this in 76, my brain would have fallen out of my asshole. Like it, you know, just that, that this is, it is, it's an otherworldly textures, like in synthesizer music. And, but my jaded ears have heard it done way, way better um, but I know that this is, you know, it's a fucking eight track recording in a kitchen. You can't, ah, man, so weird. Like the, the thing that we're listening to right now, uh, oxygen two is like, it, it rambles. It's, it's a rambling melody line that doesn't do anything for me going directly into just like the weakest sounding chords on a Farfisa. Like, <laughs> 
I'm not. I'm, I'm talking entirely too much shit here. Someone cut me off, and I'll come back in. That's that's the Farfisa. I I hear it now. I I heard Birch say there was a Farfisa, and I I didn't pick up on it when I before I had heard that. There's so many different textures and synth sounds, but yeah, that 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 little like uh, two note chord melody in part two is yeah yeah. Oh, I was just going to say it. Yeah, it it seems to take itself entirely too seriously. One, uh, it is instrumental in the way that it is producing an album that is completely electronic. This has there's no live instruments in this, as far as I can tell. Or no, there as is. Far as there, not, um, so that is something that I think changes the dynamic of music. However, it does feel a bit, you're right. Things have come along that are better. This feels more contrived than experimentation. It feels like very cohesive narrative songs that, but then they kind of, it's everything in the kitchen sink building upon itself. And there's way too much phase and like phalange going on just (laughs) all the time. There's a constant phase which, only for the first like two or three tracks. After that, he 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 backs. There's off only six tracks, so it's so side, half, side half one. Half. Side one's a little much with the uh, the phasing, I think. Um, yeah, but no, like it, it, thinking back to like Wendy Carlos switched on Bach. Like th- it's cool to hear someone like make big ass like compositional like classical compositional stuff like with synthesizers uh, like you know th- this is all original i mean with the exception of you know taking inspiration off of popcorn or maybe some bolero on track five man i, I don't i don't know how i feel about this still like it, it when i like this is probably my fifth time going through it and normally it clicks by the time i hit track four but the first two three tr- the first first three tracks for me are a fucking slog hmm. um it's like uh like tangerine old field yeah. Right? It, or or uh, Mike Dream, maybe. <laughs> we'll go with Mike Dream. <laughs> but I mean, I, I fucking I love that Tangerine Dream record we did. Like uh Phaedra. Like yeah. that yeah, was yeah. that 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 was, you know, just like crazy like soundscape stuff going on. Like and this I don't know, maybe it's this there's maybe because he had eight whole tracks to work with, there's you know there's just a bit much going on all the time. It never really gives a chance to breathe, at least not with the first few songs. The textures and the sounds are what remind me more of like Tangerine Dream. And then like the the more contrived song structure is where I get like the the old field vibes, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, Oxygen Part One, there's specifically some of the synth sounds and treatments and effects that he's uh, using in that remind me uh, very much of uh, Mort Garson with uh, Plantasia, which uh, would be the same year. So it makes sense that people are probably that Steve Miller band song is, is a similar year. Also, Rob, (laughs) I think everyone found that button in 1976 where it just uh, like <laughs> oscillates through the scale or whatever it's doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hard. Yeah. I think, I think we're all having the same reaction, which is it's really cool. It was fun to listen to, but it seems a bit thin when, when put against other electronic musicians or 
items that have come later. It, it has a, it almost seems a bit re- remedial, but at the same time, one guy in a home studio recording, you know, in his kitchen with an eight track created this. It did take him, what was it, eight months? Six, six or eight months, yeah. Uh, and I think that he, I think, it, I mean, if he went chronologically with this, it would make sense that by the time he got to the last three tracks, they got better in my mind. Like it, cause I mean, shit, man, like this is, this is dense. It's the dent, you know, but dense doesn't necessarily make good. Like when I think yeah, of, right now we're know, listening to the, the phase, the washes, and it just is a, a constant. It, it It's like the, you know, it's like that jug just keeps Coming back. I love that jug. You <laughs> leave the 15th floor elevator's jug alone. I love that fucking jug. Um, well, folks loved it. Yeah. I think in your write-up, Birch, you, you, you put, uh, you, you read 10 million copies. I, I had read 15 million on the, on the Wikipedia entry. So some between 10 and 15 million, uh, the, the what discus uh dreyfus uh like independent label that put it out uh they took some convincing because uh it didn't have lyrics or uh song titles to 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 put out this album and they finally agreed to put out 50,000 copies and then it goes to sell between 10 and 15 million it's crazy there's that it, i is this like a european thing because 15 million copies and and i've never i've never even smelled one yeah, I, he he was definitely gigantic in Europe. Like that, I think that the majority of the copies sold were probably specifically due to uh, Oxygen Four being thrown in the discotheques. I don't oh, know how right. people danced to it, but they did. But did, did did the DJs at the discotheques not have access to a disc of popcorn, which is <laughs> more more danceable and what Oxygen Four is based on? <laughs> Apparently not. Um. Yeah, I, I, again, I'm not trying to talk too much shit on, you know, Jean-Michel Jarre. Like, he's definitely a fucking, like, like progenitor of, like, electronic music. It's, yeah, everything we love, right? Yeah, like, ab- absolutely, definitely. And, you know, what the uh, the Krautrock stuff was doing and the minimalist style, like, someone had to try to crack, like, this, like, bigger almost symphonic-esque like, uh, soundscape stuff. And, you know, Somehow, against all odds, this nerd in his kitchen with an eight track did it. This might and be, yeah, this might be a bad comparison, but I would say he he sort of cracked it the way that Pink Floyd cracked the psychedelic uh, element. A lot of people in psychedelic were pushing it so far to see how far they could push it out. Where Pink Floyd said, "That's great." But where are the melodies? Where are the hooks? Where are the, you know, where are the things that make this seamless in pushing out that epic scope, that sort of cosmic dream music, but also being engaging to people who might not be willing to venture out that far? Slow it down, let it breathe, add some good melodies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could absolutely see if you were a fan of, let's just say you kind of dabbled a little bit in psychedelic and this out there music, and then someone put this on, 
you would be you you would be able to pick up on those melodies instantly and say, okay, yeah, I get it. And then as you listen more and more, it's you know, it's it's more cosmic. Um, it, it pushes something that is maybe not quite in your sphere, um, but brings it into into it by uh, presenting these melodies and the and these hooks. Do you think that you would have the same negative opinion towards like the washes and phases if you were listening to it with 1976 years? Man, I, I, I talked about it. A f- I don't, I forget what episode it was, but like I was looking at like the, uh, like my effects line with the Mografoger pedals and it's all just like analog delay, a phaser and a ring modulator and a few of like, and that's all over all of this shit, like the, those effects and a few of the bands that were fucking around with them were making incredible things that I would never in a million billion years be able to like replicate. Like they're using it like really smart. Um, no, I, I think a bunch of phaser washes in 1976 would have been bothering the shit out of me at this point, <laughs> uh, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Like it's because it, it's not even, it's not even just the phaser washes like his like him trying to like like so like adding modulation to like a sustained note to try to emulate a, uh, a violin. Are you, like are you getting theme. that, Ben? Sorry, I'm getting Rob. that. Yeah. Are you getting that, Rob? Am, am, am I? No, no, it's it's uh, it sounded like electronic bloops and bleeps, like a weird. No, I'm not getting that, but I think that this will fix it. So we're gonna put that down. That's a good idea. So hope, yeah, hopefully it doesn't happen again. Yeah, sorry. Um, but I don't know. I, thank you for interrupting me before I went crazy. But no, what what I was trying to say is like uh the, like it's not just the it's not just the like overuse of phaser and flange it also is the overuse of modulation for sustained notes to try to emulate like a violin sound and that shit's all over that for those first three tracks it's just like wah, 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 like for every lead line and that that's annoying to me and i think it would have been annoying to me in 1976 as well ben to answer your question but now that we're on to oxygen four i'm i'm a happy camper <laughs> like boop, 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 boop. Of course, <laughs> and and that's fine. He 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 took he took good inspiration off of a cool song, and I would know. dance at this spooky spooky disco. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would I would don my cape. <laughs> <laughs> Man, More you guys want to hear some fucking crazy facts about uh, our boy Jean Michel Jean? I do. Yeah, Jean Michel Jean. He was the very first Western uh, musician to be invited to play in the people's republic of china that is cool that's wait, fucking wait, insane when do you know when that show that performance was i mean it had to be pretty soon after this i imagine i i, I didn't look it up actually i i since my phone's off i'm not going to look it up now if people can look that up themselves ben 
Oh, so, sorry. <laughs> Put me on blast, motherfucker. I'll come right back at you. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> but also, uh, he holds the record for largest concert ever, I think. Really? And that's, uh, yeah, Moscow 1997, the anniversary. The, 850th anniversary of the Moscow cap or not for the Russian capital. And it was between 3 million and 3.5 million people. Wow. <laughs> That's Fucking incredible. Insane. Like, that was, wasn't that the performance that you sent us? That is the performance I sent us or I sent, I sent all of us. Yeah. The, uh, him, him wearing a, like a Kangol like beret and a fucking <laughs> Python like suit just, Getting crazy. And it must have been like the very beginning of the wacky uh, arm inflatable like fun guy because there's a couple of them just slow <laughs> dancing in oh, the corners. And they were they were, they were huge, too. Yeah. And unlike many of the ones I've seen outside used car lots and uh, quick tax places. Uh, oh, it was the, clean. <laughs> well, it was clean. And, and they had they each had uh, two legs. It's like they had two fan sources. So <laughs> it was able to give them two legs. And they were huge. They were like like 15, 20 feet tall, maybe, uh, maybe bigger. And yeah, they're just like looping over the stage. dancing over. It was cool. I liked it. I don't and understand. Like, like a hundred person choir and like the entire <laughs> show, there was like a fireworks grand finale going on behind them. Yeah. <laughs> the Russians were like, you know, who should we get to play our 850th anniversary of having a capital? Who would be the one? Should, Oh, we should probably be a Frenchman, right? <laughs> Playing weird electronic music, right? Okay, yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah, yeah. It seems like he he really got into the spectacle of performances, huh? Yeah, apparently, like his like just still like his stuff is just like these big, massive, uh, like yeah, spectacles. Like his stage shows are fucking unparalleled, apparently. Yeah. So. Yeah, huge. Yeah, man. I also Fucking saw a cool. picture of him playing the laser harp, which I always appreciate when people <laughs> play the laser harp. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the laser harp. Oh, really? Oh, no. man, this is, is awesome. It, is it beams of light instead of strings? Yes. Oh, yeah, dude. That's yeah, awesome. So, so there's beams of light, uh, and they, they shoot, and I mean, you can shoot them any way you want, but it just looks like lasers. And by putting your hand in front of the laser, it it like plucks that string. So by Depending it not making okay. you move your hand on the on the beam, does it change the pitch? Uh, some of them it can, yeah. That's cool. It depends on on which uh, laser harp you have, but yeah, you can. So it, there was a He's picture. Probably of, got the good one. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> so you can shoot it up, um, and he and by put you know you just like move your hands out like <laughs> i don't even know how to describe moving your kind of like uh, like not unlike a theremin <laughs> you know a j- different concept but you're still just moving your hands around yeah yeah i mean i would call it dumb if i wasn't so into dumb shit like this <laughs> <So>. <laughs> fucking cool man fucking cool but you know lasers are you get powerful lasers it, it makes a big impression you know big impression when you have a, a big crowd there so you can shoot these lasers up and then by oh, taking yeah, one away people can it. people can see how you're playing it you know through the that's, sky okay that's really cool yeah 
how much is a laser harp like basic model <laughs> probably like two million dollars i have no I'm, idea I'm quitting i'm quitting my mandolin classes i'm now studying laser harp <laughs> only laser Good man. um I found out that uh, Jodorowsky's uh, son is on the same label as uh, this uh, this thing. Uh, whatever indie label like put this out. What was it called again? Discus Dreyfus, and wasn't it like a jazz label or something? Birch, like indie jazz. Yeah, and it was a. Um, it split off into multiple different things. Um, the, the Dreyfus label. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, it was definitely originally jazz. This is this is jazz with a hard eye. So, oh, it's good stuff. I, hey, come on, man! I got <laughs> caught like I see it. Um, what you, we're listening to track five, and I think this is probably my favorite track on the record. Uh, what'd you guys think? Yeah, I like track five. After it got to three, I was I was more into it. Mm-hmm. I was into it even before then. I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, get what, I, I get what you're saying about the first side of it and all the phaser and stuff. Uh, it didn't bug me. Uh, I don't like. I don't hold it to as high of a caliber of art that I would hold like Kraftwerk or or Tangerine Dream. I think that what those bands are going for is different than what uh, Jean Michel Jarre is going for. Uh, but for being like synth classical pop, uh, it doesn't like it. It doesn't bother me. It's it, it. I I kind of get why so many people found this an easy access to like electronic music, uh, new age music, that type of stuff. It, it, it's like like the old field stuff. It's got enough melodies that you can hang your hat on to to kind of get the door open for a. For weird synth music, I, I was going to say I'm glad you brought up the um, the genre of pop because it very it very much it fits in that vein of pop or electronic pop or electronica. Um, so yeah, I, I I can absolutely see that. So what's going on in our ears right now? There's a four going, and then there's a five on top. The, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting into the part five where it goes into the Bolero sounding uh, stuff, which I don't know if he was intentionally ripping off Bolero or not. But uh, I came to find out that a dude named Maurice Ravel was the guy who wrote Bolero and he's a Frenchman, too. So how you like them apples? Sour. Yeah. But yeah, four, four against five. It's fucking cool, man. So is is like the the baseline is that the five and like the percussive the because the percussive's in four right and I, I'm having trouble following the pattern of the baseline to get a good count especially while we're having a conversation. Uh, the baseline's going one two three four one two three four one two three four one two three four and then uh, there's the one two one two three one two one two three one two one two three happening over it. Okay, then then I was hearing like the which is syncopated but still in four. Yeah. It's weird. Oh, nope, nope. It must, it may be a multiple of four, but it, it just got off where this, I thought it was. This might be the 34.5 uh, measure that they were talking about. I, that, I think that's what it is. It's weird. It's fucking cool, though. Yeah, I I, I, I dug the last, last, uh, 
I, I, I dug I dug side B like real real hard. Did you guys look up what the drum machine that he's using is by any chance? No. It's like the Korg mini pop. Uh, it, it looks just like the answering machine that your parents had from 1985. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <This> cool. <laughs> beautiful wood grain with a couple of sliders. No idea how it works. It, it, it sounds exactly like the beats that come out of a, uh, a combo organ, though. That's what that's what I thought it sounded kind of like. Yeah. yeah, which apparently they weren't... M- they weren't building them into the organs yet at this point, or at least none of the organs that uh, I've, I've seen, but yeah, it's like the same bossa Nova beat yeah. <laughs> that you, you can get out of those. Man. I used to have an old like living room organ that I found at a thrift store that had the beats in it and shit. If that thing wasn't from 76, it was from 77 or 78. It, it, <laughs> it was old. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they must've, but because even like, Sly was using like a separate uh, drum machine from like fr- from the organ stuff, like for uh, right going know, on. There's a riot going on, and but that was that, like six years before this, though, right? Yeah, for sure. But so I don't, I don't know when they started putting the 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 free beats in there, but yeah, like the grandma beats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> I love the mini pops. So, yeah, yeah do you have, oh, yeah. go ahead. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, that that bolero line I was talking about, like the little the little lead lines. Yeah, I'm going to stop talking about bolero now. Yeah. Oh no! Now we get the uh, the waves crashing and the thick seagulls. Yeah, the thick <laughs> seagulls are amazing. <laughs> uh, you guys know that he recorded a sequel to Oxygen. It came Is out. It? it came out in 1997, which may have also been a reason that it correlated with that big uh moscow show well, that would uh, do it. it was called it's called oxygen 7 to 13 and uh yeah so it comes out what 21 years later but he considers it a a sequel uh I, i've heard that like the 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 vibe is a little bit more up tempo than this one but he recorded it on the same gear to give it like the same feel and that's the coolest part about the video from that show. If you look at the gear that's behind him that he's playing, it's all the same synthesizers. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I, I was very surprised to see like the shit that Brian Eno was using with Roxy Music sitting up behind somebody in 1997. Oh, with those like little like like uh, like joystick. Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> joystick with a little battleship matrix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's fucking cool. Yeah, another thing that we talked about on the thread was uh, I couldn't f- quite figure out where I knew Oxygen Four from uh, before, like the whole thing started. And I started going. I just went onto YouTube and was like, "Best of Electronics Music uh, Commercial," and nothing popped up. And then I found just like 
a whole bunch of like time life presents, you know, this is rock and roll. And I started like skipping through it and got to uh, the, uh, the pure mood soundtrack. And (laughs) it's absolutely from the pure moods uh, disc that I found it working at Goodwill back in 2001. (laughs) You share that commercial. I remember that commercial when it was on TV. I remember pure moods, dude. You can't (laughs) unsee it. Like there was another commercial that has nothing to do with this, but like it also just brought back like this wave of nostalgia uh, of like the time, time, whatever presents like the most romantic songs of all time. And just out of nowhere, just this black and white uh, picture of uh, or black and white video of Michael Bolton just screaming. It's like, it's all right there. It's all firmly ingrained. Uh, I was into that pure moods. It had Twin Peaks. It does. It's got got X-Files. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. like a disco X-Files. <laughs> yeah. Enya Amadeus. Oh yeah. There's so many so many moods. So pure. Yeah, we There's need to so find some pure moods. <laughs> well, actually, that, that's a fun thing. If, it, if people want to pick up their phone and dial 1-800-283-2751, <laughs> they may be able to get their very own copy of Pure Moods on compact, di- compact disc or cassette. So once again, that's 1-800-283-2751. Is there, I, I saw John mention it on the chat, but I didn't see if there was a response. Is there like a Spotify playlist of pure moods? Yes, there is. Oh, yeah, thank goodness. There is a pure moods one. All right. So, favoriting, yeah. favoriting right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, Birch, what did you think of this whole album? Good. Not great. Insp- inspirational for everything I love about electronica. So that's probably a neutral for me. Um, I don't know though. I go back and forth because I, I find little bits and pieces of it that I really like. It's tough. It's super tough. Love the artwork too. Artwork's fucking dope. Oh yeah. You want to talk about that Birch? Yeah. The skull coming out of a, out of the world. It's sort of peeling away from a skull and or peeling away a world from, and it's revealing a, a sort of human skull, um, very 1970s style with the gradients and the typography is beautiful, nice and clean. It looks exactly like this album, I guess, sounds to me, it's spacey and that album image uh, was a painting that his his wife gave him. Uh, and they, they contacted uh, the artist Michael Granger and uh, and worked out the deal to use it as the album cover. Yeah, I think it's great. It's perfect for this. Um, I don't know. I could go positive, too. I'm sort of in between that of just. Yeah, I'll go positive. I, I would I would put this on again. It just doesn't it doesn't like. Phaedra and some other electronic stuff just I really get into and this is a little more light for me this is this is light I agree and I do think we touched on it earlier uh like uh like Tangerine Dream and and Kraftwerk I almost consider them like like uh artist artist statements like art projects performances if you will and this does have much more of a pop vibe to me 
that being said, uh, you know, I'm always talking about Plantasia on this uh, on this podcast <laughs> and, and how much I just really enjoy listening to it. And if if that's not, you know, synth easy listening pop, then 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 nothing is. So when I first when I first put this on, I, I think I'm I'm already prone to just kind of like for even for the cheesiness and for the kind of stereotypical synth effects that we've heard before and will continue to hear. I enjoy it for it being like weird, far out electronica pop for the like the same part of my brain and ears that that tells me to go put on Plantasia once in a while. I, I think I, I would listen. I just put it on to chill out and feel weird and funky. Uh, I, I'm going to give it a positive. Hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, I again, I really dig side two. Uh, and I can't say that there's enough stuff on side one that keeps me engaged um, or d- that doesn't distract me from the listening. Like there, there, there's too many like sins committed on that side with warbles, modulation effects and and flange. It, it just. It's like. It bothers me. <laughs> it, bothers, <laughs> it bothers me deeply. Um, so for me, I, I got to go neutral on it. But the final three tracks are, you know, are, are worth the time. Um, and, and not not to discount like, you know, this dude's like very big, like footprint that like, you know, he basically built like with this record. Has anyone listened to any of his albums past this? Uh, one thing that we, we actually didn't touch on. This is his third album, but it's his first album that isn't a movie soundtrack. Uh, he had just been doing film work before this. Mm-hmm. So this is his first foray into popular music. And I know it's not his last. I'm wondering if later efforts by him might not have some of those, you know, cliches and things that we we call this one out for, if, if it did evolve at all. I haven't heard any more, but I know that his next one comes out in 1978. It's called Equinox, and it's also got a really cool album cover. If I saw it at a store, I'd pick it up just for the cover to hear what it sounded like. Yeah, so I, I haven't listened to any of his his other work yet. Not yet. This is the first I I didn't know who this was, so this is interesting to kind of check out. Dip in. All right. Next time we'll be talking about Ramones. Ramones. All right. Thanks, y'all. Woo!